Welcome to the next edition of the Secure Podcast. This is Charles Latimer. I have the distinct pleasure of hosting today Kristen Holt, who's a dear friend and colleague. She's the CEO of GreenPath, a, a national financial wellness company, and, and also just an industry thought leader. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you, Charles. It's my pleasure. So, you know, one thing we've talked so much about financial wellness uh, for the I think we've known each other for about a year, I think. And and so but the one thing we haven't I really don't know your your personal path and how you came into the financial wellness industry, uh, you know, a little bit of your academic background and what kind of brought you here? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to share that. Um, so. Yeah, I always go back to just how I was brought up. And, you know, I was brought up in a middle class lifestyle, certainly a lifestyle of privilege um, for many, many reasons. Um, but I was taught from a very early age to save half of everything I earned. Number one, I was taught I needed to go earn money. So like, I, if I wanted spending money for anything or I wanted to save for something, I needed a job. So I started working at 10 years old going out into the neighborhood and uh, helping people walk their, you know, walk their dogs or water their plants while they were on vacation. I remember writing these little index cards. Uh, it was like ambitious 10 year old wants to help you with your stuff. And I went and stuck them in all the mailboxes. So, you know, I'd earned like a couple of dollars and I had to put half of that in the bank. So I was just taught, it was like a norm for me that half of what you earn gets saved. And um, always had this passion for, you know, money and keeping track of it and under saving for things. And so when I went to college, I went to Central Michigan University, actually on a full ride. So that was another thing. It was like I could have gone to maybe a more prestigious school. Central was awesome, by the way. Um, but I had a full ride. And so it was like, well, of course, I'm going to go to school where it's free. Like, why would I pay money if I don't have to? And uh, Central had a really good program in accounting. And I had never thought about being an accountant. I actually wanted to be a computer scientist. Um, but then I started exploring accounting and I was like, oh, this is so great. I love it. Um, so I, I graduated from Central, became a CPA. I got my MBA from University of Michigan, which my company at the time paid for too. So I managed to graduate debt-free and, and get a really great education. Um, and so I always had this like financial background and um, worked a number of years. I pretty much always worked in nonprofit after I got out of um, uh, public accounting, like getting my license. So then I went to work for a client, which was a nonprofit, um, but not like a charity, just a tax exempt organization. And at that company, I was able to work my way up um, and become chief financial officer. And then I became, I started running some of the businesses that we were acquiring. So I kind of got that background of finance and operations. Um, but from there, I went to United Way. And it was when I was at United Way that I really started to understand um, you know, my personal passion for making an impact in the world and doing work that matters, that just serves people and you know, serves something bigger than myself. And it's also where I really started to understand just you know, my own privilege and just what people have to navigate that don't have those kinds of privileges or weren't brought up in the, in the way that I was able to be. Um, and that this, you know, opportunity for financial wellness is so far away for so many people and it just shouldn't be that way. And so when the green path opportunity came up, it was just kind of marrying that perfect passion of like personal finance, financial wellness, um, and really 
trying to impact the world and, and make a positive impact. And so that's kind of, that's how I got here. Wow. It's such a, it's such an elegant, wonderful, straight line all the way from you being a 10 year old kid who's, you know, saving half your money and, and uh, it, what an illustrious career, career leading up to Green Path. That's right. Would you mind just, you know, for the audience sharing uh, a little bit about Green Path, its mission and what you all do? Yes. So uh, Green Path is a national nonprofit organization uh, formed in 1961. So we've been around for a very long time. And our mission is empowering people to lead financially healthy lives. Um, and so that's you know what it sounds like. Uh, but historically, uh, for years, Green Path was called Green Path Debt Solutions. And we do offer many amazing debt solution products. But we rebranded to Green Path Financial Wellness in 2015, uh, right before I joined, uh, to really widen how we think about our work and the impact that we can have. So we serve about 100,000 people per year uh, through financial counseling. So we do uh, individualized, tailored financial counseling sessions for every person who reaches out to us. And most people find us from their bank or credit union. So we have uh, over 550 credit unions that we partner with across the country who refer people to us. Um, maybe if they're not getting approved for a loan or they see them uh you know, overdrawing their checking account or something like that. So they can provide us as a resource to their members. And uh, the major banks also refer people to us, especially people who are struggling with their credit cards. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And, and, and you seem very aligned with the credit union model, which is terrific. Mm -hmm. It's amazing yes. you have that network. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, so I'm just trying to do my numbers in my head. So Green Path is what, over 50 years old. How has the industry changed over that over that period of time? I mean, or, or has it changed significantly or not significantly? Well, with technology, for sure. But yeah, it has changed a lot. So the industry really came to be in the early 1960s and everything was done in person. So you had to schedule an appointment. They were all very small nonprofits. Green Path also, I think we had a different name back then. I don't know what it was. Um and so they would have, you know, if they enrolled on a debt management plan, which I can explain that more in a few minutes, um, but if they enrolled on a debt management plan in order for us to repay the debt to their creditors, we, they had to, uh, you know, like write us a check or a money order, and then we would manually write checks and mail them out to the creditors. Um, we would have to mail out these statements to our clients. And the creditors paid us a lot more money back then because <laughs> it was a pretty uh, manual process. But um, so that I mean, that's been one of the biggest changes is that, you know, nothing was computerized. Everything was manual. Um, and then the creditor support. Well, creditors are still very supportive of our work. The amount of money that they contribute to the nonprofits doing this work has gone down quite a bit. So we've had to you know, find other ways to stay in business and supplement our own income to continue to serve people. Yeah. Um, but so your like, revenue is going down as the American debt's going up. There's, there's yeah, just, so over, you know, so, over the 60 year period. So it's, it's, it's been a, a long time getting there, but it's there's something exciting. wrong there. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, so we, we, would you explain to our, our listeners what a debt management program is? Yes. Yes. So um, a debt management program is something we offer to people who have credit card debt that they can't seem to pay off on their own. Oftentimes we find people are making the minimum payments with no problem, but they're starting to realize that if they keep making the minimum payments and all the stuff's on your statement, but 
people don't necessarily pay any attention to that. Um, they're starting to realize like, how much interest they're paying, that they're maybe never going to pay this debt off in their lifetime. And they realize something has to change. And that's where we're able to really help people with a plan. So a debt management plan, um, and we would only offer it to a person who it makes sense for, and it's about 25% of the people we counsel end up enrolling on one of these plans. Um, but it, we are able to reduce the interest rates pretty dramatically so that a person can repay all of their debt in a maximum of a five-year period. Some creditors are allowing that to go a little bit longer now. But um, So if you have a credit card that has a 24% interest rate, or maybe you even missed a payment and your interest rate spiked even higher, or with interest rates going up right now, they're all going up, um, we're typically able to get that cut in half or sometimes, you know, depending on what's going on in your life and what the situation is, we might be able to get it down to 0%, um, but we're able to get those interest rates down dramatically and we're able to do it for all of your credit cards. So oftentimes people, you know, they might have a Chase card and a Capital One card and a Bank of America card and a Wells Fargo card and a card from, you know, the store that they like to shop at. And so we're able to do that all at once and it really simplifies things for people. We also uh, work with you on your budget and help you balance that budget so that uh, it works and you can afford the payment. And then we draw the money out of your accounts, whatever accounts you want to use, and we can align that with when you get paid or however you want to do it. But um, typically we recommend that people do it when they get paid. So if they get paid every two weeks, we're going to draw half of the monthly deposit out every two weeks, and then we pay all the creditors. We pay creditors daily. Um, so people are able to just see that those balances go down and um, they really like the structure. They like the savings, number one. Also, the accounts get pulled current. So if somebody is a little bit behind, once the creditor has accepted the proposal that we've sent to say, like, how much you can afford to pay on this card, they will mark the card as current. The only trick is you do have to close the accounts. So the creditors will close the account when you enroll on a debt management plan. But we've served millions of people, maybe not millions, I guess I don't know the exact amount, but thousands of people uh, with these plans. We currently have about uh, 35,000 people that are actively paying down their debt on debt management plans, and the need just continues to go up. So since the pandemic, we're like before the pandemic, the need was really high. Uh, during the pandemic, people weren't spending as much and there were... Um, you know, stimulus money and things like that, that people could access. And so the demand for our work dropped a bit during the pandemic. Um, but now with student loans looming and everything else and inflation and interest rates going up, um, the need is just so high. And so we're actually counseling more people than we ever have counseled in Green Pass history. And that just happened like in the last couple of days where we we're like, wow, this is a record, which, you know, just shows the need that is out there and how many people are, are struggling. What's the average amount that you that you typically pull together in, in, in one lump sum? And then what's the average length of time to, to get somebody? Yeah, most, most people will successfully repay all of their debt in about 30 months. So it tends to go faster than the five years um, because they might get some extra money that they put towards their debt or one card gets paid off. And we always encourage people to keep the payment the same so that then we can start applying that money to other cards. Um, so yeah, I think about 30 months is the average. 
you know, some people take longer and um, the amount of debt, it varies. I think the average is around $20,000, um, but we can help people with smaller amounts of debt. The lower the debt, you might not need a debt management plan. Um, we can just help you come up with a plan to work it out on your own. Um, oftentimes people have on average, I think four or five credit cards. And so that can just be a little overwhelming to manage. Um, so I think that's the typical. Sure. You all also uh, do work in the housing space as well, don't you? Yeah. So all of our counselors are HUD certified housing counselors. We're oh. actually one of the largest HUD intermediaries in the country. I think we have the most counselors in the country and we do holistic counseling. So if a person calls us because they're struggling with their credit cards, we're going to pull their credit report. It's a soft pull, so it doesn't affect their credit at all. Um, but we're going to look at the whole thing and we're going to see, oh, wait a minute, what's going on? So you've got this mortgage and the payment is $2,000 a month. How are you doing with that? Do you, you have any concerns there? And if they're struggling with their mortgage too, we're able to do that housing counseling at the same time. And we really you know, work out the budget holistically and make sure they can manage everything and that a debt management plan, if that's something they need, is going to make the situation better. If they're, you know, if they have more pressing needs because they're behind on the mortgage, we know we're going to deal with that first. Or if they're behind on utility bills, so we really help people manage the most important things first. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that you're looking at that holistically and identifying those social determinants of health. You know, housing being primary is is really important. So, what does that yes. process look like in terms of will you actually step in and work with the mortgage company and the utility companies? Or, or is it much more on the, on the on the counseling side and budgeting side? Uh, no, we do. Uh, we will reach out to the mortgage company on behalf of people if um, you know if they need us to do that. And so, like during the housing crisis, that was really big part of our work. In fact, we have contracts with a number of the large mortgage servicing companies, um, and we could help them get a modification to their loans. Um, most of that modification process has been automated now, and especially like during COVID, a lot of people needed modifications on their mortgages. It's tricky now because the interest rates are so high. So oftentimes people have a really good low interest rate, so you don't necessarily want to try to modify it or, or refinance it. Um, so we're just we're going to look at their situation and, and help them come up with an action plan that works best for them. Yeah. Now, I, I'm, I am a little familiar with this, so I'm leading the witness, but I... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I know that you all have invested in certain communities around the country that that in ones in your backyard, Detroit. Would you mind telling me a little bit about some of the some of the work that you're doing there in, in communities that might have just writ large some just structural challenges? Uh, I'm just curious to hear some of the backstory on the work that you're doing in Detroit and other communities. Yes. So uh, we were founded in Southeast Michigan. And so Detroit mm -hmm. is our home. Um, and we've recently relocated our Detroit office into a location called the Durfee Innovation Society. Um, it's run by a nonprofit called Life Remodeled. And it co-locates about uh, 35, I think, different nonprofits in one space. It's actually in a former school um, that they repurposed to really be this community space. What that has allowed us to do is to get closer to the people in the community and understand their needs better. So for example, we are right now um, getting ready to test an innovation that we've created, which is uh, was informed by talking with people that we've met through the Durfee Innovation Society. And what we found is that oftentimes um, black and brown Detroiters 
maybe struggling with debt, but it's not the traditional credit card debt. And so it might be an old uh, collection debt from a cell phone that their girlfriend had that was in their name, you know, whatever. Um, just some old collection debt that can go on a debt management plan, but there's not as much benefit to that because um, there's not an ongoing interest rate that we're able to get reduced. And or they might have an old student loan debt or something like that. And so um, we're in the process. We just got awarded money from United Way in Detroit uh, for this innovation, which is intended to increase black wealth uh, starting in Detroit, but then to scale. And so the concept is called the credit escalator. And the concept is uh, we're partnering with a local credit union here, Michigan First Credit Union. And uh, Michigan First will issue a credit line in order to get rid of those bad collection debts and get that off the credit report. And then the credit line will be repaid through Greenpath and our financial coaching will be included into that so that they may be able to qualify for like really good types of credit loans and things like that um, after they go through the program. So we're just getting ready to test that. We're pretty excited. I love that. Do, do you see extending that model to other communities as well? Yes, that is the goal. Assuming we can prove it out that it works, um, yeah. that is the intention. Love that. I love that. So as you see this coming year, I, I know you mentioned a little bit earlier in terms of some some things on the horizon that, that could really put a pinch on the American consumer. Uh, one is uh, student loan payments are, are, are coming back. Uh, the, the thing that I always pay attention to is are these periods of time where individuals re normalize themselves to a, a you know, a, a certain amount of cash flow, And if they have any bump, I mean, you know, just completely knocks you off kilter. So that's one. And you also mentioned interest rates. And is this kind of, I just want you to unpack that a little bit further for, for the listener. Is that sort of creating a perfect storm? And then what kind of resources can either human resource executives and, and, you know, companies like Greenpath coming together with credit unions and, and companies like FinFit, uh, what, what can we do to kind of help soften that blow? Yes. Okay. There's a lot in that, Charles. <laughs> try to, try to I know, cover. right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, for anyone with student loan debt that was, you know, federal debt, they haven't been paying on those student loans since COVID began. And so those budgets have normalized that money, you know, we encourage people to put it in the bank or put it on other debt. And, and some people did. Um, but now that becoming a regular part of your outflow is going to be a challenge. There are uh, income driven repayment plans that sometimes can be complex to navigate. That is something Greenpath can help and help people enroll in those income driven repayment plans, um, which have a ton of benefits. And there have been some changes made to how they work. I'm not the expert in this, um, but I think the way they work now, uh, it lowers the amount a person might have to pay because how they've defined discretionary income has more expenses in there. So it's like you can subtract more things to then figure out what your discretionary income is that could go towards student loans. So I think employers, this is key. I mean, it's still a tough labor market out there and retention is so important. It's so expensive to hire people and it's hard to find people. Um, you know, we're hiring like crazy right now, actually, because our business is growing because the need is so great. Um, and so once we find those people and train them, we want to keep them. Um, and so I think employers need to help people find these resources and find these nonprofit resources, even just recognizing that 
it's normal to have these issues. Um, like I think it's what 67% of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. And so I think there's so much shame that goes with finances and people don't talk about it or they think they're the only one. Like that's the biggest thing we hear from people who contact us is they're like, Oh, I wish I would have called you sooner because oftentimes people don't find us or think to call us or decide to have the courage to pick up that phone until they've tried all their other options. Well, we can help you navigate those options and make sure you're making the best choices. Um, and it's complicated, but there's, there's just so much fear and shame and, you know, they don't want to go to their employer either. So the more you can help just get the word out that these resources are available. I know FinFit has amazing tools um, and just encourage people to use them, um, you know, make it fun, contests, prizes, whatever, whatever you can do because your employees are stressed. And when they're stressed, they're not going to be performing well, you know, and it affects so many parts of their life and their work performance is one of the things that it's going to affect. And so, um, you know, at GreenPath, we, everyone is trained in empathy and so we really approach everything from this judgment-free communication. Our people know how to do that. And so when someone calls us, they immediately start to feel better because we have to get them out of that scarcity mindset where they're just in like fight or flight and like uh, they're frozen, right? Um, we have to get them out of that in order to deal with the situation. And so that's what we train our counselors in. Our, our counselors are called financial wellness experts, by the way. Um, so... If you call us, you get to talk to a financial wellness expert. Uh, sometimes people don't like to go to counseling because it feels like maybe, I don't know, maybe I should need counseling. Well, everyone could use some financial advice, you know, from somebody who's not going to charge them a bunch of money for that financial advice. You know, it's a free service. Um, and so I just encourage people to get the word out. You know, language counts, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I so deeply appreciate that you brought up the stigma piece of this. Uh, really interesting research. I think it was MetLife that effectively 50% of everyone who needs financial help, they're too embarrassed to ask for it. And, and literally, I mean, that's probably 25% of the workforce. I mean, it's, it's like, that's a number. I mean, you know, how much is it? It's like 40 million people, you know, what you know, it's like. And, and so I, I just really appreciate what Green Pet, your, your approach to empathy, lowering the temperature, realizing folks are in fight or flight. Um, ha has that changed significantly in, in, in Green Path or in the industries that you, since you sort of started there, or, or is this something that has, you know, been around for forever and we, you know, we're just. No, it has changed. It has changed for sure. So um, when I was at United Way, that was where I learned about human centered design. And that was just life-changing for me. Um, and human-centered design is simply, it's not simple, but simply described as really focusing on the person that you're serving and understanding what they need. Not what they say they need, but what they actually need. And you do that in, in different ways. Um, but instead of focusing on the companies and what all the companies think, the creditors or the credit unions, even the you know, credit unions are our partners, um, but their needs are secondary. Their members' needs are first. And so human-centered design always starts with empathy because you need empathy to understand what a person needs. And so when I joined GreenPath, I started with really, um, we have an amazing culture. We always had an amazing culture of people that are committed to the mission. 
I just helped bring some tools along to have people think about it differently. So I think GreenPath probably always used empathy, but didn't necessarily know that's what they were doing or, you know, and they weren't trained in it. Um, so I just brought some tools. Um, so I do think that that's a change that happened when I joined in 2016. Um, and I've seen many other providers in the space do it as well. So, you know, flattery, <laughs> whatever. whatever. Um, but I, I love it because it means people are being served better because they're just, they're going to feel better and they're not going to feel like a transaction. You know, we really try to build a relationship. Um, you know, oftentimes there's a trust gap out there and you know, people are, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff out there and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Um, and so, so yeah, I think, I think that has been a change and a, a change for the positive. A, a lot of our listeners are HR executives and I, I think human centered design is, you know, of course a natural fit when you're helping, you know, shape the experience of a workforce and be, you know, an advocate and a safety net, all of those things. Could you unpack a little bit more about your approach to human centered design beyond empathy, maybe some other, some other elements or what that process really looks like? Sure. So it's more within the organization. Um, so not so much in the counseling session itself and how we're, how we're counseling people. Um, but within the organization, we're using human centered design to create new products. So for example, so in, you know, for innovation basically, and that's one of the common applications of human centered design. So the example I told you uh, earlier about the credit escalator was all developed using human centered design. So there's multiple stages. So once you've done empathy and you've understood the person's needs, then you start ideating possible concepts for meeting their needs. And then you might create prototypes, multiple prototypes, and then you test those prototypes with your user to get feedback, to learn more about the problem. Um, and you keep going through that cycle and maybe like this through the cycle is never a smooth cycle. Um, but the goal is eventually you will have some kind of solution or a new product that you can offer in the marketplace um, that will better meet people's needs or meet more people's needs. Um, and then you can launch that at scale. So that's, that's kind of how we use the process from a more of a business development innovation standpoint. Well, I, I know as a colleague, I, I, I certainly have valued our conversations. It's really helped sh shape my thinking in, in terms of our approach to innovation here at FinFit. And, and cause I, I think you, you really get it right. You have, you have a real discipline to that. So I, I think it's really helped, helped us shape kind of how we're looking at things like emergency savings, uh, you know, helping on the medical debt side of the equation. There, there's so much pressure uh, from medical debt. I, you know, hundred million Americans holding $200 billion worth of medical debt. That's just an, an, a profound number, <laughs> you, you know? And so I, I, have you seen medical debt, uh, contribute in any way to the pressure that you're seeing like on the on the credit card debt side and has that sort of is that also emerging as a factor here in addition to things like inflation and the repayment of student loans or how does medical debt kind of fit into all this yeah i mean it's always been there it's always been a problem the largest source or cause of bankruptcy in the country um mm -hmm. so it's always been an issue but i think what's changed is for those who have insurance the kinds of insurance they have has changed. And so like these high deductible plans, which are great because they have a low premium. Um, in fact, we, we offer one at Green Path and we have a high deductible plan and it's by far the least expensive option for our team members to take. Um, 
But if something happens and they haven't been contributing to the HSA, to the health savings account, they're on the hook for this huge amount of money. And, you know, nobody plans to get sick. You know, you might plan to have a child. So that one you might be able to plan for a little bit more. But with a child comes all sorts of other expenses, too. Um, but, yeah, so the high deductible plans are much more prevalent. And that makes the, um, you know, a health situation that causes you to go into debt, I think, much more prevalent, too. As GreenPath as a company or just the overall debt management program industry, do you see any trends in terms of wanting to help with medical debt or is it just something that you manage against and just trying to sort of uh, as just a sort of a dominant factor? Yeah, I mean, today it's something we can put on a debt management plan. Um, there have been changes in how medical debts are being reported on credit reports. So that's been very positive. Um, so like old collection debts under $500 have been removed from people's credit reports and things like that. But there's still a ton out there. And so when I talk, when I think about innovation and opportunity to serve people better, that's something we're certainly exploring and would love to do more. I'd love to make it easy for people to navigate that situation. So, you know, back to the whole mindset stuff, like when your health is affected, you definitely can't think about anything else. Yeah, and, and by the way, here, here are 20 bills from right. 20 different providers. Right. And you're like, uh, and then you're like, I thought I had insurance. Well, you do, but you have an $8,000 max, you know, out of pocket each year. And you know, don't you have that $8,000 sitting around? No, I don't. Um, so yeah, I'd love to be able to help people navigate the complexity and that, you know, maybe with employers figuring out ways to help people contribute to those HSAs so that the money is there, um, helping people build up emergency savings. So they've got that to fall back on. When you have a health situation, you might lose your income. You might not be able to work for a while. Like there's so many things that happen. So Yes, the debt management plan can help, but I think there's a lot more that we can do. And if, you know, working with partners like FinFit, you know, we'd love to figure something out with you. Um, you know, I, I just think it's it's a huge need and we really would like to be there for people. Well, the, you know, financial health, as you know, more than anybody, it's a systems, it's a systems problem. I mean, so if you don't have all of these sort of varied pieces in place, the system collapses. And so you don't have emergency savings, or if you're not contributing to your HSA, you're not doing all these things that create a, a stable, resilient on an individual or a family level, resilient system. You know, you, you're really vulnerable if you have, you know, a critical illness come along, you have a hospital stay or what one of those things happen. And yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that you know, I've had a lot of conversations recently about th this not only being a challenge, you know, it's helped the short-term affordability of healthcare through high deductible plans, but it's had unintended consequences as well. I think the te technology is going to help us get there. I, I, I've been wanting to ask you, actually, I'll pivot away from, from medical debt here. And just to say, you know, ChatGPT came online th th this year. Uh, AI came online, I think in a way, not just in the zeitgeist, but like a, a serious disruptor. Um, do, do you see that playing out at all? Because I, I know you said it, you used to be paper based back in the 1960s. Around for any of that, but you know, and that I'm sure shifted to telephonic, and now it, you know it's shifted to you know everything's happening on you know from from a techno technological standpoint. A lot of it's happening online. 
what happens now with AI, ChatGPT, uh, the quote unquote robo advisor model coming on? Do you see that impacting GreenPass business? I mean, I do. I think it could enhance what we do. So we we actually already have a AI chatbot that we use for financial counseling and education um, that does it via text. It's called Coach Leah. Um, and people can interact with that and have their credit report pulled and you know get ideas on how to improve their credit or ask other questions. So we've been using it. I think we've had that for two or three years, actually. Um, it's not the full chat GBT thing, um, but it is our dipping our toe into that. Like sometimes people don't want to talk to a person because, again, there's that stigma. It's like, OK, I might be more willing to converse with a coach Leah <laughs> instead of, uh, instead of you know, Kristen Holt or whatever. Um, but. We don't. We are exploring where Chat GPT might be able to help improve efficiencies, or um, yeah, just be inserted into our process. You know, we, we believe our counselors always are going to add value in that building trust and rapport, and really understanding the person's situation and giving them a, a human to turn to. Um, but we definitely think there's opportunities to integrate with chat gbt tools or things like that but yeah we haven't we've been playing with it but we haven't uh, done anything yeah. specifically I, I tell you I, i'd like to kind of go full circle if, if you don't mind I, i'm just imagining the the 10 year old Kristen holt you know <laughs> running around the neighborhood <laughs> with your little business cards you know <laughs> I, I'm a trustworthy neighbor, you know, please hire me for you. And, and putting 50% of all that into savings, you know, right off the bat. And then I also think about my nieces and nephews um, have one left in high school. They're all either in college or just coming out of college. And, and I'm, so was that 10 year old Kristen Holt, was that instilled by your parents? And was that, you know, in that kind of mindset, I was just saying, I'm just thinking to all of the parents and uncles and aunts and grandparents out there who want a voice to that their their children or their family members that are coming out of high school and out of college what would your mom or dad be telling them right now so they we, we create a whole bunch of 10 year old Kristen Holtz running around the country you know providing financial resilience for the for the next generation of America what what, what would you tell them very easy because they do. So my dad's is save 10% of the net off the top before you can spend anything. So whatever your net check is, the first 10%, he made me do half, but you know, I was only earning like $2. <laughs> so 10% off the top. And that's after maxing out your retirement. I was maxing out my retirement on my first job out of college. I have no idea how I did that, but it was like it was that moment where suddenly I had more income than I did before. So you almost have to trick yourself of like, okay, put in the max 401k. I know not everybody can do that. Um, but whatever you can contribute into that retirement plan, if it's available, you've got to do that first and then you know, pay your taxes and put into your HSA if you need, <laughs> if you're on an HSA. And then whatever's the net number that is your take home. But after doing those savings, 10% goes into savings. Start with your emergency savings and then the rest. So yes, my dad, I'm going to see him tonight. And that's exactly what he would say. And every time I do an interview, he's like, did you tell him about the 10%? Yes. <laughs> well, well, uh, on behalf of me and all of our <laughs> listeners, please thank dad 
for us. I know. And then my mom, I got to get, got to give my mom credit too. Okay. My mom would be looking for the best deal. And is there a coupon? And do you have the coupon? Yeah. Like my daughter had to go get her hair cut the other day. And I'm like, I know there's a coupon for this place. I had to call my mom. My mom gave her the coupon so she could go get her hair cut. Um, and so like that always thinking like, maybe I don't have to spend everything that they say, maybe there's a way to get it for, for less money. They always share a meal when they go out. My mom is very, she does not spend money. (laughs) Well, so, so so we have savings behavior and a little bit of frugality mixed in there. And and like you say, sometimes it's not all the complicated stuff that makes the big difference. You know, if if you start that early on, you know, just what, what, watch your dollars a little bit, you know, spend a little bit less than you make. Put it aside. Make sure you check in a few boxes. You can be fine. It doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, and and I, I want to you know thank both mom and dad for uh, their great advice, but also I think creating an astounding human being uh, in you. And I, I, I once again I really appreciate our friendship. I appreciate you being uh, such a great colleague and industry leader. And uh, and it's always a pleasure to sit down and talk with you. Well, thank you, Charles. It's my pleasure. That's very nice of you to say.